You're listening to Sue's Little Black Book, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by Creative Connecting in Cheshire. Hello, I'm Sue France, and each episode I will be introducing you to the inspiring and motivational entrepreneurs from my Little Black Book. Today, I am talking to Naomi Gilmore from Happy Heart Online Marketing. Hi, Naomi. Hi, Sue. It's lovely to see you. Would you like to introduce yourself? I know all about you. I've known you for about eight years, but the other people don't. So please introduce yourself. Okay. So obviously, I'm Naomi Gilmore. I've actually been self-employed now for 20 years. Would you believe it? Wow. Um, I met Sue, obviously. I met you eight years ago. And I've had a few different businesses. But now I really specialise in working with small businesses to create websites that not only look visually beautiful, but also really work for their business. More recently, I don't do that much hands-on design work these days because I'm busy really empowering small business owners to take control of their website. So I create ready-made website templates that they can kind of get a website online really quickly and easily. And I also run the Web Design Academy where I teach people to build their own bespoke websites as well. So I still do some done-for-you work, but not as much as I used to do because I'm busy kind of mentoring others And then when the websites are done, I help them to market online so that they make sure that they get the right visitors to the website so that we can convert those visitors into being customers. That's quite a difference from when you first began doing online marketing in the first place and websites. But how did the whole story begin? What did you do first and how come you've got your own business? Oh, wow. So I'm a trained chef. (laughs) I actually left university doing hotel and catering management. And that was a long time ago now. (laughs) Much longer than I'd rather to remember, really. But my first business was actually a hotel booking agency. So I used to work in national accounts for a hotel chain. And then I set up an agency to do sort of venue search and hotel bookings. I had a really successful business there. And then I decided to follow a passion of mine, which is home interiors. So I launched a home interior shop and I used to have the hotel booking agency on the top floor of that shop, but really then started to specialize in kind of online retail, which is where my online marketing stuff really started. And that was a long, long time ago and built my own websites. I used to, I was one of the first sellers on eBay. Set my first retail business up in about 2004. And in 2009, I turned over nearly a million pounds on my website in one year. I was importing from China then, grew massively, had loads of staff and yeah, really exciting part of life. But I was working 24 seven. I'd got married by then, had children. And yeah, I kind of experienced quite a rough side of entrepreneur life. I had some problems with stock and things from China and I had to close that business in 2010, which is around the time, I think, wasn't long after that when I met you, which is when I set up doing social media training. Kind of thought it was a real low time in my life. And I decided to really start to think about what I could do. I was very much in survival mode and I brain downloaded everything. And one thing that I could really do, in fact, lots of people told me what you can do is sell on that internet. So I started to train businesses to create their own success online. And that's how it's grown and evolved from there to where I am today. It doesn't surprise me that you're involved with interiors because your trademark is very bright colours, very bright pink and rainbow colours. I mean, I'm looking at you now in your studio People on the podcast obviously can't see you, but all I can see is 
beautiful bright colours, tastefully done. Is that important to you? It is. Thanks, Sue. <laughs> That's <laughs> lovely feedback. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm really house proud. People do expect when they come to my house that it's all full of rainbows. It isn't all full of rainbows. My home's always been kind of like my safe haven and feeds my soul hugely. Rainbows are super important. I love colour. You'll probably notice I'm actually wearing black and white today. I do wear a lot of black and white, but tends to be with splashes of colour here, there and everywhere. I'm a happy person and it kind of positive. So I think the rainbow colours kind of feed my joy, if you like, with all of that. I like to have nice things around me. I'm a bit of a stationery geek as well, so have loads of multicoloured stationery. (laughs) I know. I once won one of your competitions and you sent me a beautiful book, a planning book. And that's just lovely to look at. We can't chat on here without mentioning our current collaboration, can we? We're doing an event this week. You've saved my literary lunch. Every year I do a literary lunch in Nutsford. And obviously because of COVID-19, I've had to take it online. I couldn't actually do it without you. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, of course. So as lockdown arrived, I got a call from you, didn't I, Sue, to say yeah, I'm going to have desperately. to cancel my events <laughs> and everything's, yeah, really hard and difficult. And at that time, you haven't got much experience of kind of like live stream and live events. And I was like, you don't have to cancel it. We can get it online. Not a problem at all. I've been online, you know, lots over the years. I do lots of live stream, lots of videos and all that kind of stuff. So we transitioned that on live and we created an amazing first event, didn't we? Using some technology called StreamYard. Ran a great first event. And since then, you've gone on to do lots of stuff, haven't you? With Zoom and other kind of technology, Facebook Lives and all of that. And I'm really looking forward to facilitating the one for the literary lunch as well. And it's just great that you're able to transition all of this stuff online. You know, I've been doing it with clients for a long time, but I think I was talking to somebody this morning, actually, where they've managed to completely transition their whole business online. And I think what it's done, lockdown has done, is actually fast forwarded a lot of this sort of development of that whole online process, even for, you know, schools, for lots of businesses lots of different parts of industry where we are now very aware of how much tech can help us. Yeah, but if you're someone like me, I'm so scared of tech. If something goes wrong, I'm completely thrown. It's wonderful to have someone like you there (laughs) to hold my hand and put it right. I've also made it a bigger challenge this time. We started with a few guests when we did the first event online. This time we've got nine and videos in between and you're coordinating the whole thing and bringing them on at different times I'm just so in awe of what you're doing I can't do anything like that thanks so I think that comes down to the fact that I don't fear tech I always describe myself as a geek that doesn't even look like a geek so I'm not scared of it and I think that's the thing isn't it you know we've got a lot of tech at our fingertips but it is just like it's almost like riding a bike once you know how to use it you kind of can go with it and a lot of my kind of academy and ready-made website members that can come on quite sort of like worried about tech but actually as the websites go live they're like actually it isn't that scary anymore because I know how to do it so I think it is just those stepping stones of learning what it's all about and I don't think you're as scared as you were right at the beginning of the events at all look at you now you're podcasting (laughs) (laughs) I know still a little bit scared talk about the personal side of your life now I've met your daughters they're beautiful and they're so friendly and so polite can you tell us a bit about them yeah absolutely so I'm a single mom 
I've been a single mum for quite a long time. I've got two daughters. Molly's 15, Ruby is 12. They're both very different, actually, than each other. I describe them often as chalk and cheese. Molly's always been interested in kind of dance, drama, music, whereas Ruby's a little footballer and enjoys a gaming. They're both actually very creative, not surprisingly. I think they take after, obviously, me in that department. Both super sociable and both very creative, but in different ways. So Molly will express her creativity through kind of more physical sort of creating. She blinged bottles of gin and Prosecco as gifts and that type of thing and can make beautiful chocolate bouquets and, and stuff. And she's an amazing dancer. Ruby is very creative with her art. So very kind of, she has a particularly own style with art and digital art as well. So obviously following in my footsteps with the digital side of things so she can create things that way. But yeah, both good girls, very blessed. <laughs> They're both very good They've at maths, to... which I'm not very good at maths. And I think they must take after my dad for that. They take after the granddad. <laughs> oh, well, they've got a great role model in, in you. So sounds like another couple of budding entrepreneurs there. Yeah, thank you for that. I think definitely. I didn't mention Molly is an amazing makeup artist. So even age 15, she can do all these like makeup transformations. And I can see like their own businesses in both of them, to be honest. Ruby's already just setting hers up in the background. She's only 12 <laughs> and all started on a website already with plans that she's got. So that's good. As to the other members of your family, something happened four years ago, didn't it? Which totally changed everything for you and has changed the course of your life since then? Yeah, absolutely. So four years ago, I lost my younger brother. He was 12 years younger than me. And on his 31st birthday, he took his own life. And obviously that rocked my world as it rocked the whole entire family, friends, community, you know, suicide when it affects somebody that you know, even if you don't know them closely, it really has a big impact. And I think it has such a big impact because of the hopelessness of it, actually, in terms of, you know, there's a lot of mixed emotions like, you know, real anger and kind of despair and then guilt that you didn't know you couldn't be there all of that kind of stuff so it is a very very complex grief to kind of go through so I lost my mum when I was 24 she was just 54 and Nick was only 13 at the time then but in terms of grief you know my mum died of an asthma attack you can pin it on the fact that it was that whereas suicide you can't kind of pin on anything because it's kind of like an untold story so it's very difficult to kind of get closure from that type of grief it's taken me a long time to be able to talk about it fully as well. So I've been, have been able to, after about 12 months, I was able to talk about suicide and mental health and trying to reduce the stigma surrounding all of it, really. It's the biggest killer in men under 45. The statistics were 13 men a day in the UK take their own lives by suicide. But actually, since COVID, that is escalating at an, an extreme rate, which is horrendous. So my kind of soul work, I really feel like my purpose right now is to really build awareness around mental health, suicide and suicide is preventable. You know, lots of people have a perception that it isn't preventable. It totally is. I'm now a suicide intervention first aider and I've equipped myself with as much information as I can because I really vowed after losing Nick that if I could go through the rest of my life, if I could just save one person's life, that's what my job is to do. And I'm still really evolving the ways that I can do that. I think, you know, Sue, I did my youth mental health first aid training just this week. So I passed that on Tuesday. You did um, well. Thank you. I have to say, 
working through the suicide intervention first training is very tough emotionally tough thing to do if you have been through that already but I'm kind of evolving ways that I am going to move forward with ways that I can help people really and particularly help support people that have got family members, loved ones, anybody in the community that is suffering with mental health. Because actually to be somebody in the support network, you know, it weighs heavy. It can be a tough thing to kind of work through. So there's lots of elements where I'd like to offer help and support with that. But for me, that's what changed. It changed everything. It changed the whole essence of, of who I am and really started to understand I guess, my path moving forwards of of where I want to go and what I want to do. I think this is so important at this time, especially I'm worried about all the students that have all started university for the first time and they're away from home and they're with people they don't know and suddenly they're in lockdown. I think with COVID, there's so many more opportunities for people to feel so depressed and so hopeless. I think, you know, as well as that is the isolation, you know, even for primary school, for high school, actually, for, you know, those kids that are used to going out, socialising with the friends, you know, it's not normal, is it, to wear a mask? We're not used to that. It's not normal to be told that we need to socially distance and that we can't spend those times in close big networks it's not normal for university students to start university without a freshers week which is key for them to kind of create bonding create new friends and relationships so I really do believe that we are heading for a huge mental health issue the statistics are showing already now but I think it's going to come for a long period of time because I don't think we'll actually see the impact of this until we're kind of the other side of it so whilst I get the kind of lockdowns to control the virus and all of that stuff that needs to be done it is what are we doing on the other side of it where is you know the help and support there's a lot of amazing charities and organizations prime example I'm volunteering for the Samaritans but I can't have my training because we haven't transitioned it online yet you know, they're stretched already. I know from conversations that I've had with organisations that they already cannot cope with the demand of stuff coming through. The wait lists are getting longer. They've struggled to transition from face-to-face kind of counselling sessions and contact over onto online, particularly where kids are concerned because there's other safeguarding issues that surround a lot of that type of stuff. So it is going to be a huge challenge, I think. You know, you said you've been trained in intervention. Does that mean people can call upon you if they know that somebody's in danger of feeling suicidal? So I do get a lot of people that contact me. I would say if the best people, because I can only signpost is what I can do, I wouldn't be able to talk somebody through a suicide intervention. You know, it's very specialist training to be able to do that. If I saw somebody or felt somebody was in that situation, for example, if I was at a train station or near a bridge or I had that call from somebody, then I am trained to be able to process through that situation. Suicide intervention and first aid only keeps them safe for now until you can signpost them to somewhere that can help with those next stages. So it's all about keeping somebody safe, whether that's for five seconds five minutes, five hours, wherever it is until I can get them to a safe place. So I would recommend anybody that is worried about anybody who is immediately connected with them, that they phone a crisis line who have fully trained operators who can get response units to people quite quickly if you're worried about somebody who isn't actually with you. So the Samaritans, which I share their number, I think it's 116116, but I'll grab it on Google in a second. Samaritans is key for any age 
group, there's a helpline called Hopeline, which is run by Papyrus over in Warrington. They are an incredible charity. Again, they have a crisis line that you can call if it's a child worried about a friend and they don't want to even contact kind of an adult, whatever, there's a child line that they can ring because all of those organisations have specialist teams that can assess where people are, they can even track mobile devices if necessary and get immediate reaction. Somebody contacting me, I might not be around, I might not be available, I might have to go and then look up the information. Because I speak so publicly about mental health stigma and about suicide, I do get contacted by a lot of people. I've got somebody that they love and all I would do is signpost at that stage to where they can go. So there's incredible charities, incredible support groups that people can go to. And I also get contacted by a lot of survivors of bereavement by suicide. As I said, it is a very complex grief and there's an amazing charity called SOBS that help with that. And again, I would signpost to SOBS and I I do keep in touch with, I've got a lot of quite a big friend network now of people who have been through bereavement by suicide because lots of people even now can't talk about it. So they may have lost a brother, an uncle, a father and due to family dynamics or family wishes that they still can't talk about it, that they're still kind of silenced in their own grief, if you like. And they find when they connect with somebody like me that is so publicly about it that they can converse with me and chat in my inbox. And I have made some lovely friends as well who've been through similar sort of situations but can't be as vocal as I am. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. What strikes me about you is whatever you throw yourself into, you're passionate. I think this shows if anyone wanted to work with you on their business or on their online presence, they would know that they would get full respect and understanding and you throw yourself into helping them so it's been fascinating listening to you today would you just like to give us some contact numbers and places where people can find you and social media absolutely so my main website is happyhearthq.com that's where you'll find most information In terms of the kind of stuff that I share around mental health and suicide, I have some mindset reframing tools and things that people can work with because it's not only that grief, I have been through a fair few roller coasters. So I do share some free resources over on my own website, which is naomigilmore.com. And that's all about really kind of my mental health and finding your own inner happy. I'm all about coping with life curveballs and kind of really trying to find your inner resilience so that you can be happy big believer in it lies within so we need to create this stuff for ourselves thank you and you make me feel happy and looking forward to my event next week happy in your safe hands thank you very much Naomi thank you, Sue.